Jimmy Deans. Hold on. Sponsors doesn't sponsor the yearbook internet sportscast for flight attendants and nurses. This is it. And you can say exactly that. This is it. That says in the yearbook at hotmail.com. Essentially the complaint department. Nobody knows what a complaint department is. It's time for last week in Division One AA football, where it was not very conceivable that a guy would get drafted while he's still playing. This really isn't last week in Division One AA football. This is more of a of an apology. We said that. We ended last week's podcast saying it was very conceivable that someone on one of the four remaining playoff teams could actually get drafted by some NFL team while he played on the field in the NCAA semifinals. It wasn't possible at all. The NFL draft was long, long over by the time James Madison, North Dakota, Southern Illinois, and South Dakota State all took the field on Sunday. All we had to do was look. We didn't look at the schedule. The games were all on Sunday, not Saturday, and so we screwed up majorly. And Southern Illinois damn near made the championship game. But this week's championship game, yes, the 1AA version of Alabama and Ohio State will be James Madison, a Virginia team dominating football against South Dakota State. Not North Dakota State, the team that's won eight 1AA titles in the last 10 years, including five in a row and maybe the only 1AA team you've actually heard of. No, South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. The same Jackrabbits who have a national powerhouse women's basketball team. And don't say, well, a national power on their level. No, the Jackrabbits are Division One, and they just finished the damn women's basketball season ranked number 25 in the country. Complicatedly, in the football team's first ever title game appearance this year, the Jackrabbits are playing the team, James Madison, that kept them out of the title game in 2017. So 2017 would have been South Dakota State's first championship game appearance, but James Madison ruined it. So now South Dakota State actually reaches the championship game where they face James Madison. It's not the perfect setup, but you get the idea. Last year, to speed up the games, Major League Baseball said pitchers had to face at least three batters or finish an inning. You couldn't get swapped out for another pitcher. Thus, managers couldn't bring out 57 pitchers in one inning, thus speeding up the games. The second this was proposed, it was a stupid, 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 stupid rule. And in one of those beauteous moments of sports, it took a long time, but the rule came back to bite baseball in the most unexpected way. The Cardinals rolled out a pitcher, Henesis Cabrera, who just didn't have it. A phrase that existed long before this rule. Cabrera clearly didn't have his control, and none of this was intentional. He just didn't have any control, and Cabrera immediately hit the Phillies' Bryce Harper, then hit Didi Gregorius with the very next pitch. A dangerously wild pitcher actually should have been the way we all expected this rule to backfire and backfire badly. I mean, how many baseball movies over the years have included some version of a scene where the catcher scares the batter by telling him, I have no idea where this pitch is going. And in this recent real game, Bryce Harper was hit in the face 
with a 96-mile-per-hour pitch. And Harper was all right, but obviously that pitch also could have ended Harper's career. Gregorius was then nailed in the back. The crashing of the three-batter rule on every possible level continued when the umpires then warned both benches. Now, I would guess the umpires just warned everyone not to carry over any bad blood and don't start throwing at each other intentionally. But consider Philadelphia got warned for having two of their players beamed. And St. Louis got warned for being strictly forbidden from subbing out Cabrera under any circumstances. Well, Philly's manager, Joe Girardi, didn't take that very well and argued that Cabrera should be ejected, which is legal. The umpires could have ejected the pitcher, but the multi-level crash continued. Ejecting a pitcher for having a bad night is a bad precedent, so that's the right call for the umpires. But then Girardi wound up ejected for arguing. This unforeseen circumstance certainly should have been foreseen in the board meetings at baseball headquarters, considering being hit by a pitch is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, danger in the entire game. Also, the three-batter rule hasn't sped up the games. The rule book is changing and changing fast, but this rule in particular just always seemed particularly limiting. It's like being forced to leave a hockey goalie who gives up three goals on three shots in the game. If you're not familiar with hockey, that's really, really bad. Uh, It's like the NFL making a team stick with an ineffective quarterback in the fourth quarter or forcing NBA teams to stay with a sub who looks slow and who's missed all five of his shots, but they got to keep him in the game anyway. That's the rules. Most of the talk surrounding this lousy rule was about strategy, but this player safety problem area was always going to show up at some point, and when it did, the three-batter rule blew up colossally. The good news is obvious. No one's career or even post-baseball life wound up jeopardized that we know of. The subject of IndyCar getting a hard knocks type mainstream behind the scenes series has come up a few times in the first few months of this year around here, mostly because of, of all things, Kevin James's new NASCAR sitcom, the crew hard knocks requires a lot of money and focuses solely on an NFL team during its training camp, getting a show like that actually done well, that focuses solely on IndyCar, which right now is a niche sport, that seems like a huge, huge ask. And this is why you do a podcast. So you get to talk about topics that only you, meaning me, could possibly be interested in. Isn't this why you do a podcast? Anyway, IndyCar doing something like The Crew seems more realistic. The Crew is a sitcom meaning it's set in a NASCAR garage, and NASCAR is part of the backstory, but the show doesn't have to be about sports. The plot of the crew could literally be anything. The crew could just be the king of queens with NASCAR, just the job the characters happen to have. And it's on Netflix, which has tremendous reach. So it is a very creative idea on how to get NASCAR into mainstream households. That approach seems doable for IndyCar, especially in a place like Netflix. Unfortunately for IndyCar, 
NASCAR's way out in front with the good ideas. And don't blame all of that on IndyCars stumbling around or something. Right now, NASCAR is the better-known series, so it's just going to go over better with programmers. NASCAR either got itself into or lucked into the movie Logan Lucky. Again, this is a story that had to be set at a really big event, and in Logan Lucky, the event is a NASCAR race. But to non-sports fans... Logan Lucky is a heist movie with NASCAR safely in the background. It's not a sports movie. IndyCar has a really big event that Logan Lucky easily could have been set at the Indy 500, but NASCAR got there first. Logan Lucky did not make money, but it's made. It's out there with NASCAR in it for anyone to see it at any, at, uh, any time. In a recent podcast, we also talked about an even more subtle approach, maybe too subtle, where IndyCar just kind of shows up somewhere in commercials. Current Old Spice and IBM ads feature open-wheel racing, but they are not specifically IndyCar, so those two ads might not be helping. Anyway, just get into the background somewhere. Then again, Mac Engel of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram newspaper brings up a Hard Knocks-type mainstream behind-the-scenes series on open-wheel racing that he says has worked. Only Formula One got to that one first. According to Engel, F1's Drive to Survive series, again, Netflix, has produced a 99% increase in social media engagements for F1. A March race was the most watched F1 race ever in the U.S. That was March of this year. And Formula One is growing with people ages 16 to 35. With that one, I'll be honest. Especially younger fans watching that fact, right? That that was a real surprise to me. That is really, really impressive for a reality series to get its fans to cross over into being actual race fans. And IndyCar's racing is better. So maybe it is worth looking into for IndyCar. But I'm not sure it's worth holding your breath over. Two big disclaimers. F1 has money. And for IndyCar to get a series, someone other than IndyCar has to be interested. IndyCar can't just say, yeah, let's do it, and programmers line up. They need somebody who could really use this. I definitely don't want IndyCar to aim low, but the way things are right now, it would just be easier to try and insert an IndyCar character into a mainstream series. Use your connections, and on some ABC sitcom have some character's job be a PR person for an IndyCar team, or they're the tire guru for an IndyCar team. When How I Met Your Mother was still around, this could have been the job that one of the stars had and very occasionally mentioned in the show. This one seems like something someone would have already tried 10 times, but Send one character on the Southern California-based show Modern Family to the Long Beach race. You get the idea.